but I, I want to start by telling you that um, sometimes as children of God, I'll tell you the mistake that we make, usually. Then you decide whether you've made that mistake or not. I think sometimes we spend so much time praying that we lose ourselves in prayer, and then we forget that uh, when we pray, God hears and God answers, but until you move, God won't move. You see the difference, huh? Is that we pray, we spend so much time in prayer, we pray, and the Lord does answer us when we pray because the Bible says that when you ask, you shall receive. But then after praying and after believing that you have received, you're still in one place. You want God to be the one to, to sort of push you. It doesn't work like that. I want to share with you from Scripture so that you know that when you're done praying, God has already answered, but then God also is waiting for you to move. Now, as for you, it's there, seated, me, I'm waiting for God to move. I've been praying about it. I'm waiting for God to move. I'm waiting for God to move. Now, God is there saying, well, I'm waiting for Arthur to make the first move. Then I'll finish it. So, where are you right now? Now, you could be in that position, you're saying, I'm waiting for God to move. But you prayed, you asked God, now it's your turn. So I'm speaking to a person who will be crazy enough to trust God to take the first move. It's called a step of faith. Now, for example, Winnie is here. Winnie asked the Lord to heal her. The Lord healed Winnie. But tell me something. Who made Winnie get up from that chair to take the first step? Is it herself or God? Now, Winnie had an option, saying, well, me, I'm, me, I'm already healed. So maybe she could have been waiting that somehow a strange force would come from heaven and jack her off that chair, then make her move by force. Now, that's how normally we wait on the Lord. Then you say, I'm waiting on the Lord. But Winnie believed she was healed, and to show that she believed she was healed, Winnie had to get up and do something that she had never done. And that's Winnie, and she is walking. Amen. Now, you're here, you don't have a job, we talk to the Lord, the Lord says, I've given you a job, you pray, we believe today that God has given you a job, then you go back and fold your hands in your little bedroom. You say, we are waiting on God. No, you're not. I'm waiting on God in the bedroom. But you see, what would faith do? Now, faith would say, where are they applying for jobs? Then faith would put in an application and leave everything else to God. Now, that's taking a step of faith. But you see, you're waiting for God to make a move. Of course, God can. But what about you? What, what step of faith have you taken? God removed the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, they are at the Red Sea. There's an obstacle. And then Moses is crying to the Lord. But I want us to go to the instruction that God, what did God say to Moses when he was making noise at the Red Sea? Which was difficult, removing them out of Egypt or crossing the Red Sea? Now we have to make a choice. Which one was difficult, getting them out of Egypt or crossing the Red Sea? 
<laughs> Let's just, just think about it. Is that you've been in, you've been in slavery 400 years with a stubborn king, and every day of your life you're working day and night, and he's saying they will not go. Now, God removes you with a powerful hand, then puts you at the Red Sea. So now you're thinking that the God who pulls you out of the Red Sea, out of Egypt, cannot help you cross the, just a small Red Sea. So you want to compare 400 years to 10 minutes? That possible? So let's look at scripture. What happened? What did, God, what did God say when Moses was crying out to the Lord? What did the Lord say? Exodus 14, but I want to read for you from verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew, and I know that this may apply to you, so I want you to listen carefully. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and so they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to, Moses, to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hmm? Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it will be better for us to serve the Egyptians than we, would, we should to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again, you shall see again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now listen to what the Lord said to Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. But the Lord said, but why are you crying to me? The Lord is saying, you need to go forward. In other words, he's saying, but wait a minute. You mean you're still crying? I have got you out of Egypt and you're still crying again. Which one is harder? Taking you out of slavery or helping you cross the Red Sea? Which one is harder? So... Look at your life and you tell me which one is harder. Choose which one is harder. You not applying for the job or you applying for the job. I mean, you've been home for how many years? You've been home for 10 years. Okay? But in 10 years, you have not lacked. In 10 years, God has kept you. In 10 years, you didn't lose a leg or an eye. In 10 years, you're breathing alone, not with a big cylinder next to you. 10 years, God has been faithful. So which one would be harder? God sustaining you for 10 years without a job, or God giving you a small job you saw in the papers? Which one do you think God will not do? Just think. So the Israelites were here at the Red Sea, and they were still waiting for God. And the Lord said, but tell them to move forward. He said, tell them to move forward. He didn't tell them to stop. As a matter of fact, it's them that stopped. He never told them to stop. They chose to stop. So now this is the crossing at the river at the Red Sea. Let's look at the crossing at the Jordan. What happened? Joshua chapter 3 from verse 7. Joshua 3 verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
So he says, you shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now listen to that instruction. It says, you shall stand in the Jordan. Joshua 3 from verse 7, he said, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now, let me go forward, verse 13, and it says, And it shall come to pass that as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the old earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the water shall come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. The Lord's instruction was clear. He said, the priest must stand in the Jordan. But the Bible says that the moment their feet touch the water, the water stopped flowing and it became a heap on one side. It became a heap because they had the courage to step out in faith and step in the Jordan. Now let's look at it this way. Let's look at the river Nile. And the Lord is instructing you to go and stand in that water so the water can part. Do you, do you see that in following God, it requires corresponding action on your side? Now, supposing they had said, mm -mm, for us, we're going to wait on this side. Let him first part the water and we see with our eyes that he has parted the water. Then we shall come and walk. Do you really think the Israelites would have crossed over? The things that please God, they are usually the things that we do when we're unconscious. I know that everyone here has done something out of faith. But honestly speaking, when you try to trust what it is that you did. You have got no reason why you did it. You just got up one day and you said it, you will do it. I always give a testimony of how I learned to drive. I didn't know how to drive. Okay, driving is, is even better. When I was in SETA, I didn't know how to ride a bicycle and I was 10 years old. So I, I had this friend of mine who came one day with a yellow bicycle. And I said to him, uh, help me, I just want to ride. He had a yellow bicycle. I said, yes. I, he said, can you ride? I said, of course, hold me. <laughs> I can ride. He said, okay. Gali, my friend, I got on that bicycle, Miss Ali Sali, and I rode the bicycle. No, I rode the bicycle. There was just one thing I didn't ask. How did the brakes work? <laughs> So I got on this bicycle, I rode, and I'm going down the steep slope. So then I'm thinking, maybe bicycles rewind. So I began. <laughs> Thank God there was a thicket of bamboo. That's where I stopped. At least, at least I fulfilled my word. So I told him, I think the brakes failed. But at least I got on that bicycle, and I rode it. That's faith. I know that there are things that you have done, and you know it. Maybe you entered an exam, and you didn't have time to prepare. Maybe you went for an interview. 
you didn't have time to prepare, and you just got up and said, you know what, let me do it. Okay. Oh, you know, that day and you didn't have any money on you, the only money you have on you, then somebody calls you and they want exactly the same amount of money that you have. Then without thinking, you say, okay, I'll send it. Then you send it, then you remember later and say, wait, it's the only one I had. But you see, it's gone. But you see, there's a peace that comes into your heart. So now this, this is what they call taking a step of faith. So I'm not sure which step of faith that you have taken or which one you failed to take, which one you deliberately refused to take as a step of faith. But this is what God demanded of the Israelites, that as long as your feet will step. So they had to take the first step, not God. God had to do his part of parting the water, but they needed to step in the water as a step of faith. So you will have to get your feet dirty before God can do his part. It's a, it's a partnership. Faith is a partnership with God. It doesn't just mean that your job is to believe and you sit back and you cross your feet. Then God does the dirty work. No. But he said to them, if your feet can step in the water. He said, as soon as the feet, their sole of their feet stepped in the water, what happened? The water parted instantly. So you imagine if they had not stepped in the water. So let's look at you right now. What, what corresponding action did God ask of you to do and you refused? And you're here. But you're waiting for something to happen somewhere in a strange manner. But the Holy Spirit is talking to you every day. The Holy Spirit is telling you what to do. Get up. Rise up. The Lord is telling you, get up. Rise up. Go here. Do this. Try this. You're saying, no, me, I'm waiting. You could be waiting for a strange phone call. You know, there's a way when we pray, we, we sort of dictate how God should answer us. But the, but the Lord is waiting. You should know that every time you pray, God will always make a way, but he will wait for you to take that first step. So the Jews are the Red Sea, and they are saying, eh, you mean there were no graves? We even told you, you leave us. Let's stop these Egyptians. Why did you bring us here? And the Lord said, but why are you crying to me? Tell them to move forward. Do you know what it means for God to tell you to move forward and you know that there is no way ahead of you? And, and there's no way. And the Lord is saying, move forward. Keep going. But there's no way. In other words, when you take the step to move forward, only then will there be a way. Look at it this way. The widow at Zarephath, I love that woman. I know that woman had been praying and saying, Lord, send rain, because our food is running low, send rain. God didn't send rain, God sent a prophet. And the prophet shows up, not to give, but take away. I know somebody would have said, well, that's so mean of God. So I don't know how you've been praying, but if you've been praying, you should be sensitive now on the move of the Spirit of God. What the Lord is going to do and what God is doing. Because this woman had been praying, Lord, send rain. There was a famine. It was so bad. Over three years. And she's praying, Lord, send rain. Lord, send rain. Lord, send rain. And the Lord says, okay, go to a widow at Zarephath. 
Do you think that that widow was the only widow at that time? She wasn't. There were many other widows. But there was something about this widow that God was willing to send Elijah to that house. And he shows up and she's on the last flap, on the last oil. That's when he shows up. And what does he say? He says to her, Madam, he says, bring me some kaota. As he's going to bring the kaota, like mine here, he says, no, 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 no. He goes to go back. First wait, make for me some car. Some car little atap and I eat. You bring atap and a ball, you bring that the little one. He says, but boss, it is the only one I have. He said, me and my son are going to eat, then we're going to die. But, 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 I want you to follow exactly. Forget that, what she said. But my son are going to eat and die. But listen to the, what Elijah said. Elijah said, no problem. But first, go and make me a small loaf and bring it that I may eat. Because as surely as the Lord lives, now he adds a prophetic word. He said, as surely as the Lord lives, the jar of oil and of flour will not run dry. It was never now up to Elijah. He has requested and he has spoken the word of the Lord. It was now up to her to take that step of faith. Either believe this man who doesn't shave or go and eat haka food and keep believing God. Do I make sense? Yes. So she had a choice. Either you, you eat, eat your bread, then you say, thank you Jesus, we are believing you for the next meal. Or you go to this stranger, you have never seen him by the way, you have never seen him, he's proclaimed the word of God to you, he said no problem, but first make a small bread for me, bring that I may eat. For as sure as the Lord, this is what the Lord says. So you have a choice. So what did she do? She said, okay. It was faith that made this woman make the only bread in the house and give it to another person to eat. Not her and her son. Another person to eat. That's faith. So now, whatever it is you have asked of the Lord, it is going to require that you step out, but step out in faith. I always say, you can't pray a woman and you're in the house, you pray, Lord, send me a husband, I want to get married, I want to have children, and then you are locking yourself up every day in the house. <laughs> Who is going to see you? <laughs> Let us be very honest with each other. In the what? In the house. How? This, 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 is, this, is, this is not faith, it's madness. It's an illusion. Eh? You, are, you are in your bedroom, the door is locked, and you're interceding day and night. You think the, the husband will pass through the walls? You think God will send you a husband as an angel? No. The husband will be in form of flesh and blood, like a moan, like gulit. They will have to come physically. So the step of faith, I'm telling you, is that I, I think that we, we get so, maybe we don't understand that when we actually pray, God does answer. I think we don't believe that. Because wh why are you at home and you are asking God to bless you and bless you with a job and God has answered you. You took out a fast, go, you even sow a seed for it and God has answered you. Then what do you do next? 
You sit in the house. Every day you're checking your phone to see if there's a strange what? A strange phone call. Eh, nobody has called today. Lord, let them call me in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> then now they've taught you, then you begin. I bind every power of darkness blocking my phone call. Who told you somebody's going to call you? <laughs> but who said? Who said you're going to get a phone call? Then you're binding every power somewhere, everywhere, every witch doctor somewhere in the shrine. But there's a job, and for some reason, your friend sends you a link to this job. And then you're saying, mm -mm, yeah, I'll not apply. Me, my job will find me here. But even the Israelites, whom God loved so much, the Lord said, step into the water. Those priests of yours, step in the water. Now for you, you're saying, no, 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 no. The water should step on me. <laughs> God is saying, step in the what? Then you're saying, water step on what? On me and part. <laughs> in other words, the water should run from you. But God has given you an action. So who, who is the problem? Is it God or is it us? Man, the Lord is waiting for you to take your step of faith. So what is your step of faith? If you think that's crazy, let me take you to Matthew 17. If you think that's crazy, Matthew 17, from verse 24. Now when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? And he said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? And Peter said to him, from strangers. And Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Now listen to verse 27. I love this verse 27. It's my favorite. Last night, I kept thinking about this particular verse. I couldn't seem to get it out of me. What did Jesus say? Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea. Listen carefully. Said, go to the sea. Now you who is there waiting, the Lord is saying, go to the sea. Cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money and take that and give it to them for me and for you. Now, I don't know how many of you are fishermen, but how many times do you eat fish? Have you ever cut a fish and found money inside? How many times? But this is Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to listen to who had crazy faith. This is Jesus, and he's telling Simon, they have no money. And he's telling him, look here. You go to the sea, go with your hook. Cast in the hook in the water. All of this requires action, by the way. First of all, getting up to go to the sea, getting like a boat, get the hook, cast it into the water. What do you think Peter was thinking about the entire time? What was he thinking about the entire time? You mean that Jesus Christ could not just, if he could turn five loaves into thousands, you mean he couldn't have just said, okay, bring me a coin. Okay, you, how much is the tax? Okay, now turn, now, give us more. But Jesus didn't do that. And what would the fish be doing? Eating coins. 
I don't know whether this makes sense to you. Because for me, it doesn't make sense. I mean, this guy gets up, takes a boat, and he knows that fish don't eat coins. Fish eat other things. But he is going to the water because he's been told, you throw the thing there. And he's there waiting. I was told the first one that I get, any of them. Now he's waiting. And the moment he gets it, he says, that's it. We are done. Take the boat back. And he gets a knife and cuts it with the expectation that inside there, there are coins. If that is not crazy faith, what is it? Just think about the whole process. Now for you, you're here thinking, oh, only to get my feet wet. That's easy. But this guy was told, you go. It takes effort. It takes faith for him to get up and even go to the sea. Now if I told you, go to Lake Victoria, bring me a fish, there will be money inside there, you're going to say, this MOG, mm -mm, there's a problem. Of all things fish, you would not go. But this is Jesus Christ telling Simon Peter, I think that's why God loved this man, is that he had the courage. Now think about it this way, is that of all the years Simon had been fishing, not once did he find even a quarter coin. Just think about how much fish, how much fish did he catch in that same period of time? Lots of it. But on this particular day, he had to obey the voice of the Lord, telling him, go, you cast it in. The first fish you get, you're going to find the coins where we need. Go and pay our taxes, yours and mine. So while you're here, waiting for the Lord, while you're here, thinking that somehow I'm praying, I've prayed, now let God do his part. Maybe that crazy corresponding action is what the Lord is waiting for, for the manifestation to happen. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you what it is you have to do. But the voice of the Spirit of God speaking deep inside your heart is telling you what you need to do. And every day you debate with God. And why do we debate with God? We debate with God because sometimes the thing that the Spirit of God wants us to do seems so inconveniencing, so inappropriate, and so seems so off. One time, I think I had just begun ministry. I've told you this testimony before. Is that I had just gotten off my knees and I had the Lord clearly say to me, I want you to get everything, all those clothes in your closet, and I want you to, to show them to the evangelism team. I said, all of them? He said, yes. He said, I'll tell you what to keep for yourself. I got out all my nice shirts, you know, because I just come from the corporate world, you're getting all your nice things. When it came to the shoes, I, you know, there was a Texas shoe that I loved. I said, and then I clearly heard the Lord say, yeah, even that one. <laughs> now I removed it, then I remained with a, a very old pair. It was so pale. And then the jeans, I folded everything in obedience to the voice of the Lord. I had no idea. So I told some lady, okay, take these clothes to your church, give them to the evangelism pastors, let them give them out when they go on the mission field. 
I had no idea what God was going to do for me. And that same, I think that same week, I come back home that same week and uh, I come back home that week and somebody had come into my house and I found hundreds of shirts, hundreds of trousers and brand new pairs of shoes and had no idea who had bought them. Sometimes when we obey the Lord, it's really painful. It's, it's really, really painful when we obey the Lord. It is painful. It's, it's painful and very, very, sometimes very inconveniencing to obey the Lord. But again, until you take that step, I like to call it foolish faith. Sometimes you have to accept to become foolish. If you really want to see the glory of the Lord, and now I, wa I want us to change our level of expectation. Now we're going to begin expecting God to do things over a period of seven days. Now we are not going to have blanket faith that if God answers me in 2071, it's okay. I want God to answer you. So sometimes we actually think we're believing. Then you're saying, even if God answers me in 2071, do you want to wait until you're 75 to have your children? Really? Must you be 75? Hey, so, so I mean, I'm saying in the course of seven days, but just how willing are you? Will you be like Peter and say, it's okay, Lord, you get into the boat and go and throw that hook into the water and pick the first fish? Or do you want to be as crazy as the Jews?